Hello, listeners, and welcome to the Downright Upright Show, the place to go to hear out loud and proud what Minnesotans are thinking. And I am your host, Philip Anthony. I'm so happy that you've chosen to join us today, and I hope you're all doing fantabulous. Now, if you listen to my show, Laurie, you know fantabulous is fantastic and fabulous put together twice as nice, right? Right. So you're feeling even better than fantastic or fabulous. And for the listeners, um, I have a little bit of laryngitis, so forgive me if I sound uh, like a bass singer (laughs) today. Uh, My special, super special guest today is the head of new business development and the host of Food Freedom Radio here on AM 950. And her name is Laura Headland. Hello, Laura, and thank you for joining us at that Downright Upright show. Well, thank you for inviting me, Philip. This is kind of fun to be on this side of the mic for a change, so it was, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I know. I mean, I can't, I mean next um, month I'm supposed to be on the other side of the mic, too, so I'm looking forward to that. Before we talk about your career, which is amazing, uh, would you tell the listeners where you were born, raised, and went to school, and anything else you want to add to that? So um, uh, I was I grew up in northeast Minneapolis, northeast Minneapolis. Um, six kids in the family. My dad was a truck driver, and um, he actually um, drove over two million miles and was Minnesota Truck Driver of the Year in 1984. Look at that. And, yeah. And my, my mom uh, stayed home with the six kids for most of the time, but she also did some contract work, like she'd count coupons for General Mills. <laughs> But she always would count him twice, even though she was paid at piecemeal. She she count him twice, so her accuracy was really up there. So she, you know, she had that accuracy thing. And one of the things I've shared in the past is when I was growing up um, in, and I, I don't mind, I was born in '62, so I was growing up in the '70s. Um, but in our house, six kids, we had a four bedroom house. We had full dental care, full health care. Mm. Um, we got two vacations every year. On basically my dad's truck driver's salary, so we, you know, we went, um, did the winter trip to get everything from Hawaii to Mexico, and summer drive trips up, you know, to the Dells and Michigan, and I mean, and one of the reasons that we were able to have that um, non-stressful economic life was because of the Minnesota truck driver's strike in 1934, 1930. I mean, you know, and and so the people in the 1930s really had a commitment to making life better for the next generation. And I reaped those rewards, mm-hmm. you know, growing up as a Teamster's daughter. And my mom got a Teamster's pension. So we made – and we made that. And one of the um, – I used to be a Teamster. Oh, you were? I didn't know that. For a period of time. Okay. But I was, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, but that was – and I, I just remember, you know, both my dad and mom were, you know, firmly in the, you know, you make the world a better place for your children and, you know, life is about joy and – you know, petting the dog and taking walks and, you know, and, and being able to have that lifestyle. And I, I was one thing I feel very passionate about right now is how that seems to be slipping. And we know the middle class is declining by the numbers, but we also know by the reality that so many people, you know, rents are too high and you can't make the bills and it's just too darn stressful. And that's silly to live that way. Yeah, I remember growing up, and I have mentioned this on my show previously, that my mom, after my dad died, uh, my mom uh, was able to support me on one secretary salary. Mm-hmm. She had health care. 
supported me. Went to the I went to the dentist on a regular basis. I went to the doctor. But she was one single woman, not a man, a single woman who was able. This is the '60s, of course. I'm speaking. Mm-hmm. About and uh, she was able to do it. If you have a single woman today with a child trying to, you know, uh, match that, it wouldn't it wouldn't happen. I know, and I'm not even sure why that happened. But I just want to figure out how do we get back on it. Yeah, we got to we got to do something to get back on track mm-hmm. because it's uh, it's so unfair that people. Some people work in three jobs and they still can't pay the bills. It's it's crazy to me. Um. And also, you said you had a big, huge family there. How many? You had eight siblings. Uh, no, I have uh, five siblings. Okay. So six six kids in the family, four older brothers, and one younger sister. Okay, so I was adding the parents. So that was yeah, eight. Yes, eight, yeah. eight. Yeah, so eight altogether. Eight altogether. And you all went on vacation. Eight of you. Different times. Yep. Different times. Yep. I mean, uh, my mom was having kids from the time she was 18 to 38. So there was kind of an age. There's a a, a large age span. Not the siblings were all home at the same time. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, But um, Some were late bloomers and some were – Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. Okay. So um, can you talk about your journey um, here at AM9 that led to ultimately working here? like your prior employment and then what connected you to becoming sure. Happy a, to. A, a part of this station. Yeah. So um, I got a journalism degree, and I'm going to um, tie in a little bit um, to also growing up with my journalism degree because I remember in 1968, my brother was in Vietnam, and I remember sitting around the TV and, you know, saying, is, is Richard there? I mean, so, I mean, I always was impacted by the media and how the media affected lives. Unfortunately, my brother came back from Vietnam, but but that, that, that how that television, how we share information um, always you know, was ingrained in me from that very young experience. So I got a journalism degree. I also did work. Um, I did go to a radio station for high school, KBEM, which is now in North High School. But I went to that. Um, it was like part time. I'd go to um, high school part time in three hours. Um, half the time I went to KBEM. Uh, got my degree in journalism, worked as a television reporter. And then I stumbled on Paul Wellstone's first campaign in 1990. I just kind of, I just kind of walked and just stumbled in on there. And it was such an incredible experience to be on that. I was like the fourth person hired. And I did all the grunt work for Paul Wellstone. I hate to interrupt Wellstone. you about this because I was, I'm a New Yorker. Uh-huh. I moved to Minnesota in 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh, can, can you just... Just one little quip about or a little anecdote about uh, Wellstone that that motivated you, that got you involved with him. Because I don't really know very much about him except that he was an amazing progressive uh, well, I um I I went to the state convention and I just I just I just loved his speech. You know, it was mesmerizing. Okay. It, it was you know, and some, I mean, it just reached into the soul and the heart. I mean, he spoke in a way that was just enlivening. It touched you. It touched you. And 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 remember, at that time, uh, George uh, Bachewitz was the six million dollar man. Everyone thought there's no way you could win. And then this scrappy little guy with hardly any money wins in this incredible upset. And people may not remember what an upset that first victory was, but it was a total, total upset. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, but after working Paul Wellstone's campaign, I was active in another incredible upset, and that was David Minky's campaign in the second district, which was a rural district. And uh, Cal Ludeman was the person who was running. Everyone thought Cal was going to win, and but David won. And um, and then, I mean, those those years, I was also active in a couple different things. I was a media consultant for what became Minnesota Care. And at that time, it was called Health Rights. So we, in Minnesota, passed the first um, 
um, government-supported health care. It was health right, and uh, that evolved into uh, Minnesota Care. And believe it or not, in that time period, I also was hired by the Republican Party. The Republican Party chair and the Democratic chair got together to promote the caucuses. So they, so we did around the state. We did this caucus '92, and I did a little media consultant with the. Uh, um, did we got media consultant with the two parties working together to get people to show up to the mm. caucuses. Wow, bipartisanship. Bipartisanship. Who, who would have thunk it? I know it was kind of <laughs> bizarre. I don't know if that could happen today, but it was actually fun and. Uh, yeah, because you know politics is—it doesn't have to be this killer sport that it's become. It's—it's yeah. it's, it's the way that it's the way that we affect each other's lives. It's our policy. It's what happens to Social Security. It's what do we do on health care? What are our rules of the road? I think Voldemort had a lot to do with that. Voldemort. In, oh, uh, oh in, I, I, if you people that listen to my show know, okay. I, I don't like to use his name too much, so I call okay. him the name that shall not be mentioned okay. from Harry Potter. Have okay. you ever heard of Voldemort? I did hear of Voldemort from Harry Potter. <laughs> I was kind of confused there for a second, but I did hear about him, so I, 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 I know I, that I, I know his name. So we can. I just wanted to inject some humor. Cool. Um, so, so again, how did that connect to AM nine fifty? So, uh, so another way it connected is. Um, uh, so I did um, – I, I was also a PR director at Girl Scout Council of St. Croix Valley for five years. And then I stayed home with my daughter, which was awesome. I gave birth um, to this beautiful bean and uh, had the luxury of staying home. And while I was staying home um, – uh, two things happened. One is the Iraq War happened, and at that time, I was so knowledgeable about what was going on. I was like waking up at three in the morning and listening to the BBC, you know, and right. none of that knowledge got in our media systems. I mean, you know, free press is the cornerstone of democracy, and we're doing some like going to war, and all the stuff that the Jordan that people were warning about it, it was all true, and the the stories that we were told in our media was. So wrong and so consequential, so much money and loss and stress with all those wars. And had we had a more vibrant, had we lived up to our principles of a living democracy and a free press, it, it would. I think we would have a very different world right now. But anyhow, so that was one thing. And, and I just, um, so I did tune in to AM 950 right when it started. At that time, it was called Straight Talk Radio. It was on two little uh, dials. And um, it just, it, the Air America Network just started and they had an ad saying they needed salespeople. And so I just applied. Um, I actually, um, actually applied late and, uh, and, I think I applied on a Friday and I started on a Monday. I mean, it was insanely fast. Did you have any experience with sales, or this is your first? No, time it was my it? first. It's my first time in so sales. They threw you to the wolves. Well, you know, we did have a lot of training. Um, we did, oh, that's and then, that, then that's what that's what the first week. That's why it was so fast. Is because she wanted to, to Janet Robert. Um, who's you know worked um, so hard to get the station off the ground, and I personally saw her like pull out the I don't know if I want to say the pull out the dead mice from the buildings. There's so many you know I mean there's there's just a lot of I mean, there's a lot of uh, work that went into those early days. It was a very grassroots. Uh, uh, radio station. Oh, without a doubt. It's and not like one of those like highfalutin, well, you know, stations. Yeah, and I mean, I was also really aware of uh, how important um, conservative talk was to Republican policy, and liberals don't have anything like that. No. We, you know, we, we did not. We're still so much weaker than than the conservative kind of message machine. And not that I think liberals need a message machine, but we need some place to share our voices. Yeah, we even had TV shows uh, that I can remember in the 90s that were right-wing oriented 
uh, yeah, and, and and finally Air America because I remember in New York I was I wasn't in Minnesota yet at the time, and I remember listening to Air America and saying, "Wow, progressive radio! What a what a concept!" Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, and they had some great hosts. I think was it Rachel Maddow? Yes, there? yes, that- Rachel Maddow. She started on radio. In fact. Um, and yeah. I don't, I don't think Rachel Maddow. Well, I, there's no, I think. I mean, Rachel Maddow's career grew out of the Progressive Talk radio station. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so basically, you did work f- uh, for AM nine fifty from its inception. Yep. Wow, that's great. Um, can you explain for our audience what the job of new business development encompasses, and what are some of the duties of your job and uh, things that you find challenging with the job? So. Um, Basically, I cold call for a living, and I'm really lucky because every time you say you cold call for a living, people are like, oh, that's got to be a really bad job. And I it's, I don't feel that way at all. And the reason I don't feel that cold calling is bad is because I'm animated by this living economics that I want to create. And that's what um, that's what this radio station is about. We, we, and I think that's one of our – that's the uh, the – aspiration of making a progressive future is a living democracy where where we honor our, our water is life but we're beings not just things it's not and it's hard to talk about but we don't have it so but having said that um like my food show was sponsored by seward co-op love seward co-op love the story behind seward co-op so when we're shopping at seward co-op we are having agency over the economy. We're not just workers. We're not, you know, but we're we're participants. And I don't know. If, I mean, I wish I had a simpler way of talking about this. And maybe if I just keep talking about it better. But, um, you know, I, I want an economy of trust. And and so um, when we so but my day job is to identify businesses and call them and and set up meetings for AM 950 and um, and. You know, and what lies underneath that is a living economics. Mm-hmm. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about Food Freedom Radio now that – because that was something that spawned out of your – first, you were the business development. Um, well, I, yeah, that's my day job. That's what I get paid for. So Food Freedom Radio is kind of a passion project. And so um, uh, Bryant, uh, Brent Olson of Renewing the Countryside had an early food show, which I loved, called um, Local Food Hero. And then Minneapolis Farmer's Market had a fantastic show. Um, and, uh, and then they were going to leave um, after doing their show for three years. So 8 a.m. Saturdays was open for a food show. My personal moment with food was, um, I don't know. If, well, I guess I'll tell this story. So my husband is a gardener. My grandfather was a gardener. So is mine. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, my grandfather was a gardener. My mom didn't touch it, which I think there's a conspiracy behind that. We can get in that <laughs> later. But I think there was a reason there was a conspiracy. It's something, for some reason, we went from World War II where we all had victory gardens to where we were all making wonderful TV dinners. <laughs> so there was some type of shift that went on there. But my, I wasn't raised with gardening, but my husband was. And um, so, uh, so like the gooseberries in our yard um, track back 60, 70 years, you know? So, I mean, um, so we have, um, I, I, so I've been practicing something called like permaculture for a long time. And um, I took a, a couple, I took an eight month permaculture course. So I more understood the principles of it. And, um, but, um, but it's been, um, th- let me take another breath. I, I, I do believe that plants are sentient. And we're kind of raised with the idea that um, humans are alive and plants and dogs and everything else is not. Hence, we have nouns, P 
people, purse, place, or thing. So the rest of the world is a thing, and we're over here being people. Happy people, those are things, you know. And that's that's just a bad philosophy of life. It's a living world, and there's microbes in the soil, and it's so complex, and we can't, you know. And it's so gardening is actually really garden uh, grounding, Um, and. Anyhow, um, <laughs> you're going to get me running off. That's kind of like the way I do things. So okay. the way my mother did things too. Sometimes it bugged me. But um, but even um, so, when the 2008 economic crisis hit, all of a sudden I was like, oh, what would happen if we didn't have any food anymore? And that actually scared me because I was thinking, what would happen if we didn't have any food? And I, I've known how you know even all without gardening we do we can't provide for we can't provide for ourselves so I did help start a community garden and so anyhow I had some of that grassroots food experience and uh, the show um, I, I, I met I met Karen Olson Johnson at an event and just it sort of happened like this where it just it was kind of like that bizarre whatever like oh that show's leaving I couldn't find another one well maybe we should tape one and the so I taped one, and that one aired, and um, so that was whatever, eleven years ago now. So, so what would you, if you had to describe your show, um, <laughs> what would be the essence of it? What would people, you know, glean from listening to your show? Well, I I try to focus the show on shining the lights on the positives that's going on in our food system right now, and to try to help make those positives more common. And um, for instance, I had uh, Forever Green at the University of Minnesota, and they've been working a long time on things like Kernza, which are perennial grains. And when you have these perennial grains, you have it's, it's water-friendly, it's soil-friendly, it's life-friendly, it supports the pollinators. Um, and, you know, the... I think most of the people listening are probably aware, but even in today's newspaper, a story on the nitrates in our water. So our current food system is leaving nitrates in the water, incredible injustice issues. I mean, there's just, I mean, the people who work in the food system are among the lowest paid, and there's a huge concentration of wealth. You have four companies controlling 85% of the beef processing, um, you have the pesticide use, which is, I, I mean, I just i just want to call these big box stores cancer depots. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, because it's just, we use a billion pounds of pesticides and it's... You sound it, like my spouse. <sighs> you really do. Because <laughs> he, he, it's, it's, it, he's, he's got this thing against lawns. Oh, God, do I because too. Because <laughs> ground up is all... Zombie over. yards, monoculture. Listen, like, oh, are you ashamed of your neighbors? Yeah, I know. Sorry, I should let you yeah, talk about your no, husband. You, <laughs> no, yeah. I, he's, he, he's with you. Um, why do you have lawns when you can have, you know, these beautiful gardens and grow crops and grow vegetables and fruit and raspberries? We have raspberries all over our yard. We're the only... Probably the only house we live in suburbia, you know, yeah. and everybody's got a, a manic, well manicured lawn, and uh, we have the sprinklers on, and they're rounding the whole thing, you know, killing the weeds and da 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 da. And here we are with raised beds with all these beans growing and, and, and raspberries and other uh, vegetables, you know, and uh, we look like a farm, you know. But he says. We need we need this stuff, Philip, because what, who knows what you're getting in a store when you when you buy vegetables, right? Right, but without a doubt. And, and the other thing that I'm moving towards because I'm uh, past my sixty mark is I want uh, um, I want a retirement yard, and, um, and and so here's my big tip for a retirement yard: hazelnuts. 
Mm. So the hazelnuts, um, I should, I won't put some posters on there, but hazelnuts are beautiful. You just let the leaves fall. You don't have to pick the leaves up and they just start spreading these little patches. And if you can go faster than the squirrel, you have to pick them before the squirrel does. You get some really good local foods, and but they're wonderful instead of these ha- ha- um, the hedges. But let's take a moment, if I can, and just you know the um, the stress that's behind um, that yard and how we are with each other, and that's like I want I, I see so many of these ads for uh, uh, cancer causing monoculture yards um, that are unkind to water and soil and other life forms. And they often say, have this um, monoculture zombie yard because, other words, your neighbors will be ashamed of yourself. You can make your neighbors more, you know, they're going to look up and they're going to be like, ooh, you're really hot. So what's, does this make sense to you? I mean, what is this thinginization that we do? And because of the thinginization we do with each other, we just have all these negative consequences. Yeah, yeah. And it lives in me, too. And, you know? and, and our county yeah. actually has a promoted rain gardens, mm-hmm. which we have – uh, my my husband and you could sit for hours talking about this stuff because I'm yeah. I'm an amateur when it comes to this stuff. I learn through him, but it's really beautiful what he what they do. It's like you have this little ditch kind of thing where the water mm-hmm. accumulates and it and it you you can grow um, you know perennials, you can grow lilies, you can and, and it, it actually is prettier. You know your 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 your, your front yard looks so much. In my opinion, prettier with flowers and things like that, as opposed to just this green lawn. You well, know? and the the irony is, most people, if they were drove to my front yard, it doesn't. I mean, I, I do have a lot of trees. Like I have the hazelnut stand, and um, I have a, a peach tree in the front yard. That's always, it doesn't produce. I mean, the peach trees, it's a little kind yeah. of. Um, we tried that; it didn't work out. It's kind of cold. We have to put a lot of leaves on it, and um, but um, hopefully, because the peaches are fantastic when we do get them. But um, but we we do have some flat looking grass or stuff that looks like grass we've never used chemicals on it we don't i mean it's just whatever i mean it's uh, and i think it looks fine and we do mow and we do mow in the front and and then we have a lot of the trees mm-hmm. um and then in the back it's all um it's all permaculture yeah, we it's do all have vegetables. I, I don't want to mislead we do have some grass in the front mm-hmm. lawn but uh, it, there were there was much uh, more, but now with the rain garden, it took you know it took a little more space, and so there's more flowers and more blossoms and uh, iris and just all these different flowers are so pretty. Well, and that's I mean, so natural lawns um, and uh, can can be beautiful and enriching, and it, 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 it they're they're not eyesores, and I mean I think there's sometimes people are afraid of that, but yeah, why do people uh, think that flowers in the front <laughs> I saw. I don't well, know. Well, I don't know either. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, is, is by the way, is is Food Freedom Radio a call-in show, or do you have guests, or both? O- occasionally, it can be call-in. I, I I used to always be live on Saturday, and then I realized I only had come to work four days a week. So, <laughs> so I I tend to tape it now. I do I do uh, pre-tape it. Um, I'm also. Um, um, now I'm I'm also broadcasting live on LinkedIn Live. So if somebody wants to participate with a particular guest, then it's okay. also LinkedIn Live. But thank uh, you for that. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. It's um, but but I I tend to uh, pre-record it, um, and then it's more of an interview and just getting information out there. And so the, when when people call in, they they uh, what, what's like a typical call? Like what would they ask you? Um, well, and this is, you know, that's where I, I really see it. I really see Food Freedom Radio as more of a platform for others to speak. 
And so to learn about um, this, um, it, it, um, just to learn about what other people are doing. I'm going to give you another story. I love this tree range farming. So people may have heard of free range chickens. Well, tree range chickens um, is uh, uh, a hazelnuts with chickens and elderberries. So it's a it's a whole different economic market. It's a different way of 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 looking at food. So the 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 big box store approach to food has been resulting in a lot of consequences, environmental and um, human consequences. Because when we infect the environment, we impact ourselves, right? Sure. So, um, so this 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 growing uh, of this of, of this other system, and like Seward Co-op was the first place, one of the first places to carry tree range chickens, and now they're they're growing. And I was at uh, a regenerative food conference in Chicago, and the guy spoke there, uh, Ricky, who uh, spoke there, and. Um, uh, he just lit up the place. I mean, he really did light up the place because it's something deeper and that's calling, I think, to us. Yeah. Uh, it's about a more um, loving, conscious, um, living um, way of being with the planet and yeah. each other. Yes, and 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 if you live in a small city, a small like town or whatever, it's easier to garden because you have more space. But I, like city dwellers, for example. I'm hearing a new thing called hydroponics. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that? Yeah, yeah. Well, you can do this in your garage, for God's sake. It's uh-huh. just crazy. Yeah. Could you explain very briefly about what hydroponics is? Isn't it about growing in water? Yeah. So hydroponics is growing in water. I know there's been a little bit of controversy. Is that organic or not and how you label it? And so you do have um, companies that are doing uh, large-scale aquaponics. And um, globally, it's you know really touted. I mean, if we can... Obviously, for growing food closer to where we live, uh-huh. um, that is better for the environment. We're not ch- trucking it out. And I almost want to just take a breath right here and just remind people of what the food shed was like here in the Twin Cities when you and I were growing up in the 60s. It was very different. I mean, there were vegetables being grown in Egan, and that's what the people in Minneapolis were eating, right? Egan was farms, yeah. Egan was farms, and uh, Brooklyn Park was potatoes, and the pumpkins were from Hopkins. And, you know, so we had this Mm -hmm. wonderful local food shed in our area, which which got traumatically changed. Altered, and now we almost think that all the food has to come from over there. Whereas, how do we bring it back into us? And and certainly, some of the innovations like um, indoor aquaponics and indoor farming and vertical farming is one way to bring that back. But also, just incorporating it in our in our everyday lives. And I mean, this is complex, but everything everyone can do their own thing. I mean, let me. I feel like sometimes I'm not the most articulate, but. You know, even having a little raspberry, a little um, rosemary plant on your counter, you know, and just taking a little swigs and having that own little contact of that rosemary <laughs> when you're when you're making your own food. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. and uh, as an Italian, I can tell you, I grew up in New York City, uh-huh. uh huh, the, the Italian capital of the, of the United States, <laughs> and uh, my mom was did not have a green thumb. You know, we used to have potted plants. That's about it. But the one thing she did have was basil plants because <laughs> that that's like our herb. Right. You know, you put basil in almost everything in, in Italian cuisine. So you put it in your sauce. You put it on your salad. You put mm-hmm. it here, there, and everywhere. And 
uh, I grew up with that. So I know how to treat basil. Needs mm-hmm. a lot of sun. <laughs> needs to be you know hydrated on a regular basis. Uh, you can't keep it in the in the shade or you know you got to put it right there. Uh, but I am learning through my spouse, like you said, rosemary, mint. Oh, what else do we grow uh, that are herbs? Uh, sage, mm-hmm. uh, things like that, which I you know had no idea how to grow. <laughs> well, and that's it's where like I, I feel like there's a, a, a relationship I have with my plants. I'm, I'm working a reciprocal, like when I'm you know protecting them from invaders. Uh, some people might call that weeding. I don't. I just kind of call it you know I'd like to save the things I love, not necessarily weed out the bad guys. Um, but um, but uh, you know so but it's having that relationship with the more than human world. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So. Um, Let's go to climate change because I think that's really important. Um, how does climate change affect the water, the soil, the planet, and people, which is the basis for what you talk about on Food Freedom Radio? Right. And I just I almost want to side out because um, – well, I'm going to go back to uh, being the daughter of a truck driver in the 1930s truck driver strike and that how the people here in Minneapolis, the truck drivers said, no, we want a better life for our kids in the future and ourselves right here, right now. So we're going to strike and we're going to make it. We're, we're going to figure out how to make this world a better place. Climate and humans, we're connected. You know, we're not separate. And uh, we are connected. And the planet is screaming at us right now. And sometimes when people scream, I want to turn away. But one of the most powerful things to do is to just start listening to the planet Mm -hmm. and slowing ourselves down and making the world a better place. And the thing is, and aside from all the words, but living in a regenerative or living um, with the more than human life is actually a funner way to live. I mean, I mean, I think there's there, so, but then uh, statistically, and I'm I'm so glad there's so many people that are working on the climate issues, and let's let's just thank them and be grateful for their work. And um, these issues are complex. The, I was talking to someone who did this biochart, and she and I said, of course it's complex because it's it's whole. So. Um, but um, so a, a primer on uh, climate change. Uh, if you have plants with deep roots, that absorbs car- carbon from the air. So the deeper roots you have in your plants, good for the environment. So trees have deep roots. They're good for the environment. <laughs> Perennial grains would have deep roots. They're good for the environment. Monoculture short zombie grass, not so good because <laughs> it doesn't, you know, it doesn't absorb the carbon. So if I'm having hazelnuts in my yard, those roots are deeper and it's it's more, um, it's it's better climate change. Now, there are so many issues going on with the climate and uh, and and uh, uh, and again. Um, so one of the other things I could maybe share about that, um, I went to this thing that actually had people like Nestle and uh, larger companies. And it was really nice to see people with very different viewpoints and orientations having a shared voice on this. Because that's how we're going to make real change. It's bottom up and top down is, is, is the way transformations work. So it's me planting hazelnuts and it's the larger companies taking responsibility and trying to figure out how to actually count um, what's going to make a difference. And, and, it's, and it's trying to get us together. And I'm hopeful that we can. But it's not guaranteed. No. You know, it's not guaranteed. And I think that's – But again, it, it, climate change um, tends to be an issue on the left only. 
I mean, I don't really ever hear right ring, right ring. I'm, 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 I'm biting my tongue here. Right wing radio or television talking about it ever. Can you? I mean, I can almost hear the people saying, oh, they said there was a big drought in the Southwest. Now they're talking about flooding. (laughs) But it's like, how do we turn down all that drama? You know? Well, it's it's not even about uh, flooding or drought, it's about extremes. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be one way or the other. There are places in and look at Minnesota. I mean, our temperature is. I mean, I remember when I first moved here, and I'm only here about twenty some odd years. Um, I I landed in Minnesota in April, and there was about twelve inches of snow on the ground. Uh, now that doesn't happen. We get rain, you know, and it's not as extreme as it. Uh, and you fly a lot so you've probably have you flown over the United States and have witnessed how the yes. geography has changed mm-hmm. absolutely yes and the turbulence because climate change causes turbulence and a lot more uh, passengers are getting injured flight attendants are getting injured uh, climate change has, has a domino effect on everything really uh, it's not just food it's not just air it's it's everything and if we don't tackle this soon, um, our grandchildren, our children and grandchildren, will not have a planet to speak of. Really, I mean, yeah. And I don't want to. I don't want to sound fatalistic, but that's basically what's going to happen. You know. Well, yeah, and the the wind, um, the it's getting windier, and you're right. That's tied to climate change, and the ocean is acidifying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then so, and then um, anxiety and depression are epidemic levels right now. So right. we have so much um, pain. Out there, yes. And to segue uh, to the last question in this part of the show, uh, can you talk a little bit of the concept of regenerative agriculture and Fusen briefly? Uh, why is this concept so important for the future of our country and the world? So it's um, there is not a clear definition of what regenerative means, and some people are afraid, and probably with good reason, to believe that um, some the the regenerative label could be just a um, kind of a, a, a watering down of organic standards. That's one of the fears. But I think there is also a lot of hope that regeneration, you know what it is when it when you see it and you know what it is when it feels it. And it's in, in, in not having a strict definition. I mean, tree range farms, regenerative. It, it's the law of return is is something that people talk about. It's It's trying to look at the exact outcomes that we want. So we want healthy soil. What does healthy soil mean? It means, um, you know, it, it means it can hold this much carbon. And these, again, the issues are complex. There is a bio-nutrient association, and there's some interesting work going on in knowing that human health and the health of the soil are really super connected. And so one of my guests was David Montgomery. He and his wife, Anne Plaquet, wrote a book, What Your Food Ate. And it's all about it's complex, our system. And we've simplified. Remember, 100 years ago, our dumb animal species knew nothing about vitamins. Well, we're just learning all these new about these chem- these these phytochemicals and how the soil works and how the plants work and what what makes things really healthy and well. So to get to you, I, I don't have a like regenerative agriculture means X, Y, Z, but regener- I know what regenerative agriculture means for me personally. It means that I have a relationship with my onions. 
<laughs> That's what it means. It means my onions and I are, are a thing. I love when you said uh, what your food ate because th- th- that is really important because if your food's not eating right, you're not eating right. Well, exactly. Uh, and look at photos of, of Americans from 50 years ago to today. I mean – uh, and for oh, yeah. our, our lifespans have gone up, but for the first time, the uh, um, our diseases, um, mm-hmm. you know, heart disease and uh, juvenile diabetes was unheard of. So yeah, it's the the food, the genetic modifications. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, if you if, if my if my audience would just listen to your yeah. show, they'll learn all this and more. Right. So, and again, it's so great that you've been on the show here and talking about this. But now. Mm-hmm. Ta-da. Ta-da. We have come to the part of the show I like to call the shift. Has an F in it. Don't forget. Otherwise, we'll have a problem. <laughs> uh, where I shift the questioning away from your career. And uh, we direct it towards current affairs mm-hmm. or, or what I like to call current events. So let's start with the first one. Uh, as of the taping of this show... The Supreme Court keeps the status quo in place for the availability of Mifepristone for the time being. What are your thoughts about one Texas judge overruling the judgment of the FDA and the possibility that the court ultimately may agree with this judge uh, and his ruling and, uh, you know, take that drug off the market for everyone? Well, Precedent, precedent, precedent. Each one of these Supreme Court people said they would honor precedent. Pre- precedence. I hope I'm they saying lied. that. They lied. They lied. Let's just that, let's just tell it like it is. They yeah. lied. And 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 I'm not a lawyer. Um, um, I was going to say something silly and play, but I mean it's that they went against this precedence is just so bizarre. Well, Roe versus Wade was a double precedent because yes. you know they had 72, and then in the 90s they 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 you know, buttressed it with another case. And now these – now because Trump picked three judges, all of a sudden law doesn't mean what it used to mean, you know. And shouldn't the law be by, you know, by the book? And isn't the Constitution a fluid document? Because are we living back in the times when, when African Americans couldn't vote, women couldn't vote? Uh, it should be a fluent doc, a fluid document. Don't you agree, uh, Laura? Well, I um, – uh, I'm I, – I, I'm I'm going to just kind of take a pause cuz I don't I don't really know what you mean by um fluid, fluid. Docu- Meaning document. Meaning that it, it it moves with the times. In other yeah. words like we when we talk about the second amendment for for example, you know, it, it's come to me now that everybody and their mother could have a, an AR15 where in, back in the day they had muskets and only the well regulated militia as it says in the second amendment could have those weapons mm-hmm. that's what i mean by that so uh we're moving with the times it's a document that should be alive not just stagnant yeah yeah that's that's perfect yeah, yeah it's a living living constitution and a living democracy and a lot of people talk about exactly. that in really wonderful ways and we get to issues and i, I i'm sure for a lot of us in our 60s sounds like what i mean uh, this is just the law of the land for decades and and i don't i mean i don't even want i mean, often we're we get into the 
it seems like the dominant story is always the storytelling. I mean, this would be good for Democrats. This could be bad. And I'm like, I'm so tired of that oh, churn. Please, it's, yeah. I mean, it's just like. Thank you. I, 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 no, a democracy is us doing things together. And Isn't it for the benefit of everybody, whether you have an R after your name or a D? I mean, yeah. what the heck is the difference? I mean, we're, we're trying to make this a better country. You know, and uh, and include everybody, and you know, like you said, we're talking about climate change. There are so many issues that, because I cannot remember kids, because when I was growing up, and when you were growing up, I, I'm gonna yeah, assume, yeah, we're both the same age. About we we the only thing we used to do are fire drills in school. That was the the drama that we had. Mm-hmm. Fire drills. Now they have these live shooter mm-hmm. drills where they have to hide under the desk. And if he's coming in this door, you do that. If he's coming in that window, you do that. And it's – children shouldn't have to go through that. No. No, it's adults. No, should have we. I mean Nobody, no, one should, no yeah. one should have to go through that. Yeah, you can't even go to the movies. I mean it's just – it's awful. Anyway, um, so I'm going to segue to that question. Um uh, would you agree with me uh, that people are too willing to shoot first and ask questions later in this country? People can't even ring a doorbell, uh, the wrong doorbell. Uh, they can't drive up the wrong um, driveway. Uh, people can't, uh, uh, you know, do anything by mistake anymore because then somebody's just going to say, "Oh, take their gun out and shoot them." So, what's your opinion about that? Um, I think I, I, I dream of a, of a well culture, and clearly our culture is not well right now. And part of that anger, I think, has been actually fomented, fomented because when you have angry people, they'll give you money. <laughs> make everyone mad, they're going to give you money. It's like, oh, yeah. Um, or you make people mad, they might vote for you, and you, you make enemies, and they're all good. So, so, but we have this churn culture. When and Donald Trump got indicted, he raised more money that way because exa- people got angry. <laughs> Actually, I'm the victim, and you know, so whatever yeah, yeah, this. But but I think um, and, and, um, but, uh, uh, let's just mourn for a second. And 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 I also um, <laughs> I also I was very um, grateful that I uh, stumbled on something called nonviolent communication a long time ago. So I actually took several seminars with Marshall Rosenberg, who's not alive anymore, but. The basic of nonviolent communication um, is that uh, I have any one mo- moment I can choose to blame and shame, blame and shame, or I can connect. And the first thing is to connect with ourselves and then be able to connect with somebody else. So even, you know, um, we're in polarized times, and so it's it's almost reactive as common, and I want to, like, say, they're the bad guys, look at all that, blah, 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 blah. But I just don't want this living in the culture. I know it lives, and so what do we do about it? And I think we got to find a way of bringing the temperature down. And the number one thing to bring the temperature down is to connect with ourselves, right? And it's just it's and and how do we feel with all these shootings? And I know both. And I don't know if we want to segue into this or not because both of us have had been been victims of crime. And so you know, absolutely. And. Yeah. Well, I've talked about it on my show. Um, I lost my father when I was about to reach my fifth birthday. Um, I remember the the trauma in my mother's face. Even though I was that young, it was etched in my brain because um, it happened in the middle of the night that the cops came and told her. And, uh, uh, yeah, the, the, the man had a gun. Um, I, he got He obtained it illegally. 
and uh, my my father was friends with this woman, and uh, uh, they were friends, uh, and um, this man was married to this woman. No longer, he wanted to see her, so he came over to the house that day to talk to her. You know, he's still trying to get back with her, as from what I'm, I gleaned from my relatives talking to me about it. And my dad was in the wrong place at the wrong time. But uh, again, you know, if, if guns were difficult to obtain, maybe I'd still have my dad. Maybe I'd have more siblings, you know. Uh, and my mother wouldn't have had sleepless nights and uh, tra- trauma in her life because she had a lot of trauma in her life too. But that's another whole another show. But uh, and, and if you want to share your yeah. experience, we yeah. can do that. Sure, and um, so just, I mean, but but I can tell. But you are also resilient. You didn't you didn't take that. Um, I like the Beatles songs. Hey Jude, take a sad song and make it better. I mean, despite all that trauma, your mom raised you and loved you. And I don't want to say life is good, but could I say life is good? She uh, unfortunately married another man after my dad died uh that was abusive to her mm. and me so yeah so it was compounded with that and but she still was an amazing woman she made me the person i am i mean i could have turned out to be a drug addict a, a murderer or something some you know antisocial person but here i am you know i'm mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the most gentle person i know i don't believe in violence i don't even I don't even fight with people. I, you know, I walk away from conflict. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, 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 you know, gained my who I am from my mom. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, um, gay boys—they always say the gay boys and their moms. You can't. There's no closer two people in the world. You know. Well, okay. So my brother, who was the gay boy in our family, he was bisexual. Um, yeah, and so he took my mom on a trip every frigging year. For like twenty nice. years, you know, he would take my mom, and he even uh, he even took my mom to Italy once, and you know, and you know, he was he was my mom and him were best friends, and he was driving, and someone pulled over on the road and looked like they needed help, and that person, someone who had had a major mental health crisis, and my brother was the third person killed by uh, that guy, who's um, got charged, but my brother was murdered by a stranger. Um, was he was he already uh, incarcerated, or they didn't catch so, the guy? So no, he his um, the, I'm not going to say his name because um, no, I, I want to. Do I, I don't want to say his name, but but his life story is that he had spent most of his life in jail, um, and uh, he'd spent twenty thirty years, and he got out in maybe one or two years, and. Seemed like he was doing okay. Then something happened, like he lost his phone, and he went crazy, and he murdered three strangers in a three-week period. Oh, and, my you know, gracious. I know. And so, but to try to get, but but this is, you know, so all these violent stories. I mean, and I know. Um, but I, you, you, yeah. I hate to interrupt you, but I, I, I can remember, and I'm sure you do, that the government at one period in, in, in time uh, had government-owned uh, mental institutions. Exactly, the government paid for it to get these people off the street, give them help, even if even though they were, you know, held against their will, you know, but they were they were given medications. They were being seen by doctors who was specialized in these 
uh, mental illnesses. Um, a lot of people were psychotic, mm-hmm. you know, uh, manic depressive. I mean, whatever it was that caused them to, to act out, mm-hmm. they had help. Now there's no help for these people. And they're on the street and they're, they're acting. This is their way of acting out. And, and without that help. Uh, right. Do, do you follow? Oh, without to... a doubt. And um, Marshall Rosenberg has a great quote. I may not say it right, but you know, violence is is it's a way of getting your needs met. It's not a kind way of getting your needs met, but it's mm-hmm. a way you, you have these needs that are not being met. Yeah, and, the copycat and killings. The copycat killings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I think stuff, a lot of yeah. in a lot of the school shootings, a lot of that copycat needs and shootings that we're witnessing on a daily basis. It's almost and let me. It's also that the society puts so much pressure on people to be things rather than beings. I mean, you know, and and I want to be famous. Okay, I'm not going to be a basketball star. I'm not going to uh, be a singer. Oh, I guess I can be a, a shooter. That's one way I can be famous. No one's paying, you know, no one's paying attention to me. And it's, but there's so so, you know, how do we take that sad song and make it better? And, um, you know, and I, 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 without a doubt, what happened um, under Reagan in the 1980s with closing all the mental health facilities, that had an impact. And we need, we need to, you. we I need, love you. we Ronald need to have Reagan, something. That's the man. That's the Ronald Reagan. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, that's and, what, what he did. And you know what? I can tie this to the beginning. Ronald Reagan and my dad voted for Ronald Reagan. He was a Reagan Democrat. Now, when I was younger, he was a big Teamster Democrat. And he was like, well, I remember the, oh, the difference between the Democratic Party and the Republican Party is that the Democrats are for this little guys. <laughs> but he, as a truck driver, he listened to that talk radio. Yeah. And, you know, and so they kind of knew. Um, that was... Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I don't want to talk about him anymore because he – I did a whole show, uh, talked about him on one of my shows. He was the reason why AIDS was never talked about because he did not discuss it until maybe the second – his second term. And yeah. all these people were dying and it, it was not talked about because they were gay, gay mm-hmm. men, you know. And, oh, we get rid of them, you know. And that's why I have no love lost between him and I, you know. So mm-hmm. – um, as of the taping of the show as well, Fox has announced the parting of ways with Tucker Carlson and Dan bon, Bongino, I believe his name is pronounced, and CNN uh, fired uh, Don Lemon. What do you think about these moves briefly, uh, you know, by Fox and CNN? Well, so my take a little bit on it, or my take is that we have so much um, media consolidation in our country right now. Um, and again, um, <sighs> Uh, democracy, the First Amendment, is free press. Who pays for the free press? And so you have billionaires like Murdoch, and there's a lot behind them, and there's a lot of reasons they want to own and control policy, and they think that their ideas are number one and that other ideas do not count, other people do not count. Um, And so they have an outweighed impact on our society. And one of the ways that I feel my job is to balance the economy is to bring advertisers to AM 950, and we grow our own economy based on our agency. We buy and sell from each other. Um, that is an anti-fragile um, economic system. So when we get to these people who, you know, for whatever reason, get a lot of fame and stardom, and I, I actually haven't listened to them. I mean, I just caught little clips here and there, and I don't, I mean, I, I you know. I have no desire either. Yeah, I mean, it's like, okay, well, that's it. And I know, I mean, 
I actually had a friend that named their dog after him or something like that. And loves him. Oh, yeah. Oh, Carlson. I don't. Tucker, whatever. I mean, it's just crazy for him. Loved him. Joy Reid so. calls him Tuckums. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, but, but you know, I, I do think that um, I do think that they uh, that some of those me- uh, media personalities can really speak in an animated way that people listen to. Yeah, and yeah. But I think they're also kind of um, – um, they're going for our lower nature rather than our higher nature, you know? They're kind of like, here's the person to be mad at. And this probably trends. I know you want to ask about transgendered. And so, yeah, here's the new victim. These are the bad guy, or these are the, you know. So there's, there's some way that they play with. Mm-hmm. I think also with the, na- with the, with the um, Don Lemon thing, because he's, he's the left version of Tucker Carlson. Uh, he was a gay black man. You know, and very easily easily expendable. You know, I, I I hate to sound like I'm a victim as a game because I don't feel like I'm a victim. You know, I I don't yeah. play the victim card, but I just feel it's so much easier to get rid of someone who is marginalized than it is to get rid of somebody. I mean, Tucker got the only reason I think Tucker is gone is because they have all these lawsuits coming up now. They have a, a, a producer who's suing them coming up, and another I think Smartmatic. Mm-hmm. Is going to sue them. That's another voting machine company, other than uh, Do- Dominion. So they got a lot of lawsuits. They just want to get him out of the way because um, he's just going to make them look even worse. And maybe they're going to have to pay more money out because they already paid what they already had to pay out almost a billion dollars, seven hundred and eighty. Yeah. Well, million dollars. And uh, I mean, I'm glad that verdict was. So there's a, an important nuance here. Well, it wasn't here. a verdict, though. It it's was a, 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 a settlement. A settlement. I'm yeah, very yeah. Thank, thank you for catching. I'm, yeah, I'm glad yeah. there was that settlement, and I'm glad they're um, paying the price. But I also think um, it's just sad that we can even have a president, someone in position that is also just, just taunting lies like that, you know? And Oh, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, let's talk about you and I. Uh-huh. <laughs> so cute. <laughs> yeah, it's your husband. I gotta go, go garden with them, huh? I can change. No, you and I connected many years ago, and uh, you had asked me to help volunteer for AM 950 at Minneapolis Pride. You remember that we discussed mm-hmm. that already. Uh, how important is Pride this year in light of all of the anti gay and anti trans rhetoric from the right? And as a follow up to that, what are your thoughts about Bud Light firing Dylan Mulvaney? After the pushback against her being a trans woman representing a major brand, let's start with the first part. Uh, the, well, the um, anti-gay and anti-trans stuff oh, that's happening. You know, I'm surprised I want to go here, but I just I do want to go here. <laughs> so I was actually active um, in the marriage rights, um, uh, the, the the fight for marriage rights, and I remember um, thank talking, you for that. Yeah, by the I, way, yeah, allies. Thank you. I love the allies. And you know, I remember going and uh, being in whatever Lakeville and talking to people. I can remember one particular conversation. It's like, yeah, well, you know, my brother's gay, but I still don't think there should be gay marriage. And I'm like, well. Why is that? And all of a sudden, there was that moment where it was like the light bulb lit. And it's like, you know, I kind of don't know why, you know? So in Minnesota, again, yay to us. We passed um, the merit right to marry. And I remember— um, Yeah, we passed it before. It, it actually passed nationally. Yeah, we yeah, did. Yeah. We did. And I remember even in liberal circles, it's like, okay, I agree on, you know, maybe we shouldn't do marriage. That might scare them too much. Instead of do civil rights, you know, there was that kind of conversations were common in the 80s and the 90s. So but what I loved about that 
marriage right is how it really became grounded on love. Because I know before they were like, we're not going to show people guys kissing because that might intimidate people too much. And on marriage right, they said, heck no, we're going to show our love. You know, this is going to be a fight for love. And you know what? I, I hate to interrupt you again. Go for but it. yes, what you just said, you hit it on the, the nail on the head. Gay people tend to be the, the least uh, into public displays of affection, kissing and hugging in public. And how, yeah. how often do you see that? You don't because we know. We don't want negative reactions. We don't want to be, you know, have to deal with maybe somebody pulling a gun out or beating us up or whatever the case may be. Because they're not that everybody would do that, but we just don't want to take the chance. Sure. We tend to be more private in that respect. And what you just said makes a lot of sense because, you know, even on TV, like when there's movies or something mm-hmm. like that, where they have one kiss, like a, and then it's not a like a makeout kiss. It's more like mm-hmm. a. You know, which mm-hmm. doesn't have, I mean, people do, you know, gay couples do do that, mm-hmm. but you do kiss more passionately. That will never happen on TV because of people writing letters, and that's gross, and I don't want my children to see that. And that's where the gay, you know, the anti gay laws in Florida come from the don't say gay bills and the uh, anti trans bills in Florida. So, uh, do you want to expand on that a little bit? Yeah. So, I mean, this is, this, um, uh, I, I think I guess the the right word is scapegoating, but especially oh, the yeah. trans trans transgendered and and how that has become um uh, 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 how that's become a motivating issue for some people. Yeah, well, it's, and, it, you know, it used to be us they picked on. Now they're picking on. There's got to be somebody you always got to pick on. And and to 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 end this particular question, I just want to say personally, I want to thank you because uh, you are an ally, and mm-hmm. you actually reached out to me. Uh, and you were very involved in the uh, uh, the Pride, uh, 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 you know, uh, organization of, of AM 950, getting everything together and having the booth and having people man the booth and talking to people about uh, Pride, uh, you know, LGBTQ issues. So thank you, Laura, well, on my uh, on my personal you're behalf. You're welcome. And let's, I mean, uh, the, the, this quote from Paul Wellstone cannot be said enough. We all do better when we all do better. And we talk about an inclusive community. Mm-hmm. It's it's um, obviously there uh, ethnic communities, but it's it's also um, I don't I want to have another way of saying this, but um, but it's you know it's it's just it's just having a place of belonging, mm-hmm. of real belonging. I don't know who said this. Maybe you would know. First, they came for me, and then, I didn't say anything. And then, no, no. First, they came for you, and I didn't say anything. And then they came for somebody else, and they I didn't say anything. Then they came for me. Right. Uh, uh, I don't know who said that. It's a beautiful quote, but it, it, it's right. Because when you attack one group, you, you, who knows you, if you'll be next? Mm-hmm. We all have to stick together as Americans, as a group of people, as a, as a community, and uh, allies like you. You know, mm-hmm. you're, you're not part of the LGBTQ plus community, but you care, and that's wonderful. It shows a lot about your character because a lot of people don't get involved uh, because they don't belong to that community. They only care about their own community, and uh, I care about all communities like you do. Like I would – I'd be the first – I was actually at the uh, George Floyd protest, mm-hmm. and I am not a African-American person. But I I think what what happened to that man is – indefensible. I mean, it was awful. I, I watched it on TV and literally was pouring tears out of my eyes to see the humanity of that man leaving him. And people are screaming, 
get your leg, off, uh, your knee off of him. He can't breathe. I'm the, the then the EMT saying, you know, I'm an EMT. I let me just check his pulse and da da da. So yes, we we all have to be allies for each other, mm-hmm. and 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 that's a great lesson. You know, right? It sounds Pollyanna, well, but we have to do it. We have to do it, and 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 your marriage doesn't weaken my marriage it strengthens it right i mean it really does strengthen it and and how we how we have this and 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 that's where i would love to kind of maybe even leave on is you know where is the progressive vision you know and and that we want and we can all every everyone does better when everyone does better an inclusive world a healthy world a sustainable world and a joyful world Mm -hmm. um and uh, yeah and you know i i this last question i usually ask on all my shows but now we already it was already announced today that uh president biden's going to run again for president so we know he'll be probably be the nominee, but do you have any opinions of you know, who the Republicans are going to? Well, up here's you know, for a political Carlson. talk station. Tucker yeah, Carlson. yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah, go for it. Um, <laughs> you know, this is oh, one thing I can remember. I'm going to say, oh, I'm so tired of politics. All the ads, all the politics, and and it gets to be exasperating and bummer. And that's not democracy. Democracy is living, and it. And I want to feel excited about the candidate. And I am. I'm. I'm actually. And I really want to tune down the drama. So I'm kind of going to wait. Um, and you know, hopefully, if if you know if, if I'm you know I I think Biden is a calm presence. He's a good man. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's, he's very... a good man. He's a calm presence. And, you know, right, right, maybe right. he will be the best choice. I don't know. I'm yeah. kind of. I hope so. I hope so. And I hope I hope that we can have unity, though. I really do hope we can find that unified voice and, and that unified heart and soul and have the energy to uh, to uh, make it better. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's so many critical issues. And. Uh, um, Health care, um, environment, um, justice, and gun rights, and, and, gun rights and, and all that stuff. All yeah. that stuff, yeah. Um, before we end the show, Laura, um, is there anything you want to, uh, you know, that I haven't brought up that you want to talk about? You want to read something? Yeah, that you know, you maybe. Well, I, I'm actually starting to come out as a poet. I'm putting my some of my poems out on Edge magazine, so you can read some of those. And I, um, when I do write poems, it's totally inspirational, and I write them in less than two minutes. So, but here's one called "Static Belonging" poem. Mm-hmm. Not living, but frozen, like a spaghetti stain on a wall, dripping of anger express, expressed because the anger was frozen, static being stuck in whispers of that is this, how to express the vibrant moving center that are that are thou, no static memberships, j- no static measurements, just knowing oh wow, very, very profound really, yeah well, really and that's nice. and that's where you know the the conversation about living democracy. A democracy on a living planet with living people mm-hmm. and you know we're all doing our best and how do we how do we you know move something forward that's kinder that's healthier and that's more gentle and more loving yep. you know trans transform that fear to love the message of this show if, if anything else if i ever get anything out there the message of this show is that we have to look out for each other yeah basically right that's what it is that's what it's all about you know we are the world we are the children <laughs> Remember yes that right i do anyway unfortunately laura we've come to the end of the show but i want to thank you so much for coming on um for more information about laura headland and food Freedom Radio, uh-huh. you can follow her on LinkedIn. 
Yeah, LinkedIn is the best now because uh, Laura um, Headland, right? And I've slowed down on all my other social media. I actually deleted them from the phone, so I don't do those other ones. I mean, I do have a Facebook page for that, but I find that um, on LinkedIn because it's tied to your, it's public, it's not anonymous, <clears throat> um, and it's tied to your professional background that you can actually connect with people if you need to. And yeah, I hope it's a good one. But yeah. I and I'm doing my show on LinkedIn now. But anyone who wants to just you know reach out to me via LinkedIn. Thank you for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, to our listeners, I would like to thank you all for spending time with us today. And please stay tuned for more of the Downright Upright show in the future. This is your host, Philip Anthony, saying ciao for now. And again, thank you, Laura. Thank you. Thank you, Philip. Thank you, Philip.